Hope it was a great weekend, everybody. I certainly had a good one in New York City. Oh, yeah. Oh. Way to go, Kip. And I, 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 <laughs> they need me. They can't win without me. That's what I figured out this past, uh, what, half a week. You know, and they it's not lose. a huge expense to get you in the building by their standards. They should do it. Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne, Josh Santos on tech, and, of course, Sammy McKee. We are live on Sportsnet 590, the fan, on our brand-new time, 9 Eastern, to get your morning going. And if you're downloading, subscribing, make sure you follow us on iTunes and Spotify as we get going to a great week. In about 20 minutes, guys, we're going to catch up with Ray Ferraro. Of course, Ray is known here in this country as a top analyst uh, at TSN and uh, Sportsnet. Prior to uh, his work at TSN, we were together at Sportsnet, and we were teammates, guys. Did you know that? I honestly didn't. New York Rangers, 95. We had just won the Stanley Cup, and there was so much crap going on between Mike Keenan and Neil Smith and who was going to stay, who was going to go, and we ended up trading... Uh, uh, Zubov and we ended up trading Tikin in and Ray Ferraro snuck in there with uh, a free agent signing and uh, good player but uh, you know just didn't really click for us like it did in 94 but uh, we're happy to have him along now I think his focus now moving forward on the TV side will be ESPN so we'll get his thoughts on what's been going on in the Stanley Cup playoffs. As far as tonight, the Edmonton Oilers pushed to the brink of elimination. And now, where is this storyline headed? We know there's no Kadri. We know there's no Kane. Before we get into all of that and what it means, let's go back Saturday night okay. and listen to head coach Jared Bednar on Naz Kadri. Coach, uh, just first, do you have an update on Nazem Kadri, and then what did you think of the hit? Yeah, he's out. He's out. He'll be out um, for for the series at least, if not longer. Um, I mean, the hit—it's the most dangerous play in hockey. I mean, it puts him in head first from behind, you know, eight feet off the boards. All you? right, well, let's just start on the hit, guys. And was the five-minute major sufficient to, in your mind? And uh, and we'll just go from there. Let's start with you, JB. Uh, it's an awful hit. I hate it. A- awful, awful hit. And I agree with Bednar. It's the most dangerous play in hockey. The little, like, caveat twist I will offer is we don't notice how often guys actually make contact with guys that far from the boards, but they're either prepared for it, braced for it, have their edge, whatever. So uh, often I feel like, you know, we're, we're black and white. Like, you can't hit a guy there. It's like guys get hit there a lot. They just are whatever. So I understand why it's not a lifetime suspension, but I still think it's a terrible play in a bad spot to put a guy at risk. It, and it's one of their best players, their most important players, and they're not going to have them for what what's a real – chance at a cup here it's it's a huge loss for Colorado I uh I was I'm I'm fine with the five minute major where I thought the league needed to go with a game misconduct I was I'm shocked that he got in that moment yeah at at that moment with Kadri down and the sense is on those type they have the option if they feel like an injury 
uh, is involved. And I think it might even be in the language of a head hit or uh, uh, a cut or something of, of, of a nature of an injury. But like the guy was down. Um, Clearly he's, he's screaming in pain. TNT had a great angle um, when I was watching it where uh, he takes his glove off right away. I knew it was a hand injury. Right oh, off the really? bat, you could see it. He's staring at his hand. Everything I hear is uh, is is around the thumb and and a fracture. Uh, I can tell you that he flew back to Colorado yesterday to get it uh, further reevaluated, and uh, you hope that uh, he can avoid surgery. And that's the question right now: whether or not uh, they need to uh, replace it, uh, uh, pin it, or uh, or put it back in place. But regardless of that right now, uh, I think Evander Kane should not have been able to finish that game. Yeah, that's a great point. I, Nick. Go ahead, Sammy. Well, no, I was just going to say, I don't think he should be able to finish that game. And I don't think, like, I wish it was the rule where as, as long as somebody's out or I, I just feel like if Edmonton wins tonight, which is very possible, uh, on home ice, up against, back up against the wall sort of thing, so Kane can play in game five? after yeah. taking out one of their best players with a clearly predatory hit, that had to be more than one game suspension. Especially when you play into... Like, if they had given him the game misconduct right there, that was the first period, right? That was in, within the first 10 minutes of the game. If yeah. you give him that game, and then you give him another game, I guess I could understand the one game suspension. But since he was already... Uh, he played that full game. I, I feel like this was a clear two, maybe even three. It was a rotten play to one of the best players. I, I'm surprised it's only one. Who's seriously hurt, yeah. Yeah, and that's the key, JB. Uh, seriously hurt. And I, I also, you, you got to kind of crawl in sometimes to the, the official's head or, or, or the league, uh, George Peros and all of that. And there are comparable situations out there that we've seen. I think Florida had one with Tampa Bay. I think it was uh, uh, Hagel in on um, on uh, I can't forget who the Florida player was, but uh, there was a Sidney Crosby situation as well earlier. And really, it, it, it comes down to it comes down to if the guy's hurt or not. It really does. And if if Kadri gets back up and finishes the game, we would be sitting here, and I guarantee you, saying that the five-minute major was a good call, but that's enough. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, maybe. Would you agree it, with that, that we are now I, based it does, on it does totally? It. it does change in a big way. You know, I just, I look at the where, where Colorado is positioned in this Stanley Cup playoff run right now, and it kind of reminds me, well, this is – hold on. It, I look at where they're at, and they have the chance to win a Stanley Cup. They are up three to nothing. They are, you know, likely favorites. Or if Tampa wins, it's going seven. And if the Rangers win, they're, they're clear favorites. They're going to be missing a huge cog. Like, this is a major loss for them. I've broken my thumb uh, playing hockey. I, I had it slashed and fractured it and the whole thing. I was – I mean, I had to have it taped in painkillers, and I used a stick that didn't vibrate with no flex, and I could oh. It's impossible. Like you can't use your hand. How long? So, how long? How long? I was weeks. But you were weeks before you even got to the point where you went through that process, right? Correct. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, after you know, two, there three is weeks, some I tried to play. There, there is some talk that you know, Kadri really wants to try it and play with it, but 
there's just no chance, I think, of of being able to hold on to a stick and 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 either Not stick handle or shoot. Yeah. He'll be able to forecheck and, you know, provide, you know, jaw at guys and screen the goalie and do all that stuff. But, you know, if you want him to be someone who adds a ton of offense, it's really unlikely he's going to be able to use it for we'll anything. We'll get a puck that. out if he needs to. You yeah, know? now, now you're talking. Zone, zone. How about winning faceoffs? It's just, uh, it's a horrible Bummer. situation for him because he was I'm sick for the guy. Uh, a that great sucks. postseason. And uh, certainly, I, you know, if we want to talk about uh, going into uh, late into a third round or a Stanley Cup final, maybe not the odds on favor to win a con Smythe, but he would be in the mix, guys. Yeah, he was maybe 100%. the third most important guy at this point. <clears throat> so that's that's a bummer. What does uh, what does No Kane mean to Connor McDavid uh, and the rest of them to extend this? Uh, and again, you don't like what he did but you cannot deny how effective he's been and and really helped change the look of the Edmonton Oilers from the moment that he came. Yeah. Well, he's been the difference between this team and teams of Oilers past where you say, boy, if it's not McDavid and Dreisaitl, who's it going to be? You know, all of a sudden the guy scores a dozen times in the playoffs, and you're like, oh, that's who it's going to be. You know, he's the next guy. He is essentially their cadre, their guy that after the big names, you're like, all right, that's where the depth scoring comes from. That's where the edge comes from. That's where, you know, a lot of the things that people said the Oilers were lacking, he provides for them. So not having that kind of makes you go, all right, Zach Hyman, go score. You know, like uh, we know McDavid and Dreisaitl are going to do their thing. It just changes the amount of pressure on depth guys to be useful because really the Hyman and Kane were the next layer, and without a piece of it, it's a big loss. Well, they were talking about it on the broadcast, and it, this is, I mean, just losing him is a huge blow, just to answer your question. But there was a sh- maybe like two shifts later, he comes in on, was it, what's the Sturm? Sturm oh, on yeah, Colorado? Yeah, buried. And he, Nico Sturm. He, he was a centimeter, a millimeter, a breath away from a brutal board. Like, if he had turned his back one more bit, like, he would have just nailed him straight from behind. He turned enough where it wasn't as bad. So they were talking about how, oh, you can't let this change your game. You can't let this change your game. But, like, <laughs> yeah, you can let it change your game a little. There. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's on the edge out there. So, yeah, he, I don't know. He's a huge loss for them. I mean, there's a chance he's played his last game, I guess, as an oiler, right? Like, what? how do you rate the signing? It's a crazy one. I'm just, I'm, I just can't really get over the fact of how upset I am for Nazem Kadri. Because as mad as I was about him not being on the Leafs and all this stuff I was talking about, he was just having such a great postseason. So, I'm just sad about that this morning, boys. I'm a little, uh, the, the, it's cloudy. You know, Cadre's out. Malaise today. <laughs> I got a bit. I got a bit of a malaise. Justin, how did you see uh, the analytics of of Game Three? Because we do know that uh, uh, Colorado had some great looks again. As far as McDavid and Drysaddle, Drysaddle's got this. Uh, what we believe is a, what a high ankle sprain. Yeah. There are times when he's limping off the bench and you're like, he's done, he's done. And then he comes back and uh, even Dreisaitl at 60% is better than uh, anything else. Uh, yeah. Jay Woodcroft has it uh, at 90 or 100% outside of uh, McDavid. So you understand him hanging in there every step of the way. But as far as scoring chances, legit scoring chances, 
I had them around 25 or 30 and probably a, a dozen to 15. And outside of McDavid's early goal, again, I did not see him as dangerous as what we saw in the first two rounds. You know, from the analytics perspective, that game three, the Oilers were the, the better team. You know, they had uh, uh, the lion's share of, of chances at five on five, I should say. They, you know, shot attempts and shots and, you know, they they, they carried a lot of that even strength play. But, yeah, you know, McDavid, it, he has slowed for two reasons, I think, as the playoffs have gone on. is He was so good in the early going that teams are like, okay, well, that's he's become the sole focus. Like, you knew he was the focus, but I think teams really shifted all their attention to him. And then it's got to be tiring, right? That'd be tiring being the plow horse pulling the cart through the mud every night. I, I 100%. The mental and physical ask is just off the charts for 97 right now. Yeah, that is going to be yeah. a, a, a tough, tough uphill climb for them. I think it's you know not not to be that guy here, but I'm uh, I'm pretty confident we're seeing the Colorado Avalanche stand in the Stanley Cup final here. Is also game three, guys, just. Uh, perfect way to sum up Mike Smith's run with the Edmonton Oilers where he looks absolutely <laughs> fantastic and then you watch the game winning goal off the stick of uh, Comfort and you're like oh come on that just can't go in that's it. He's so exciting. It's like, oh, he huge save, and oh, he's in a guy's face, and oh, it's a you know cross ice sauce. What a play! And then it's like, oh, that one hit him in the hip and went in the net. <laughs> you know, it's so yeah. deflating for an Oilers fan, I'm sure. It's, and that's just uh, such a heartbreaking you, sequence. You got to live and die by it, though, right? I mean, you have no choice. But I think you got to look back at the trade deadline, and you know, if, if the Oilers had a better goalie in this run. You know, do they win that last game? Are they? Do they have a chance to go further? I know they got through Colorado or Calgary, it's, but it wasn't on Mike Smith's the back that they did it. It's just the swings. Uh, you yeah. can argue Mike Smith's a great goalie still at his age and what he's able to do and uh, the area that he can cover off and the recovery time and all of that. It's just the swings of great save, bad goal. Yeah, and, and the emotional... Yeah. You know, he gets so high and so low and he's so busy and just, yeah, it's a it's a roller coaster. And unfortunately, the uh, roller coaster ride uh, looks like it's coming to an end. Seven minutes to go. Comfort breaks into the neutral zone and he's coming out of the box. Right, guys? Yeah. Where where is the uh, the awareness and the urgency to understand when a guy comes out of the box you don't give them an inside lane. Like, How about I, I, Kucherov I'm going one last night, this. too? And it was uh, the young player, Bouchard. And I just, I, I don't understand how, do you, how, how you do not know that he is coming out of the box yeah. and you cannot give up the middle of the, of the ice. And from the moment he started pedaling backwards, he was on the wrong side yeah. of comfort. And yes, we can sit there and say, "Hey, Mike Smith, make a save," but that can happen. I'm sorry, you know, but you know that's that's hockey 101, um, Evan. 
You know, it reminds me of how the Leafs in the playoffs for years against uh, Columbus and Montreal would be so obsessed with getting that next goal because they were having trouble scoring. They would push and they would push and they would get so focused on this offense that one would come shooting back the other way. Montreal scored against the Leafs in that one playoff series like, you know, 15 times within five seconds or 10 seconds of having possession. That to me is what the Oilers have, have been become, that they're so hungry to score and looking for that offense that, you know, Colorado is able to just shoot back the other way on and bam, it's in their net. Yeah. But God, if you're an Oilers fan, you'll be hearing the sound of that post for, you know, the whole summer. And as long as you'll be thinking about this series, like, so close to tying it. Like, I think they're going ahead up 3-2. Right. And then it's like it goes back the other way and they score immediately and it's a soft goal. Like, ugh. In a different world, that one goes in and you're going 2-1 and this game's such a big one tonight. It's just such a sickening turn of events as a fan. Yeah. Is there any shot at... uh if you got 97 in your lineup, there's always got to be a shot that this thing could extend. I don't know. You know, I don't want to be the they, guy with the sound who says know. it, but it's over. Like, it's over, boys. Yeah. I think well, I, I think see. Oilers could win tonight. Yeah, that's, there's no the, way they're going I'm, back I'm to just Colorado talk, and winning. That's all I'm talking about is to give okay. the, the Oilers fans one win here to extend this to a fifth game. Yes, they're in Edmonton. They're a good hockey team with a great player and a streaky goalie. It can happen for sure. Can it happen again and again and again? I'm a little more I think four in a row might be a big ask here. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I do too. Sam, before we move on, um, you touched on this earlier in the show and, and, and Kane. And if, in fact, Edmonton loses tonight, what does this mean for Evander Kane moving forward and where does he end up? Can Edmonton re-sign him? If so, how much? And what has he done to rehabilitate uh, his his professional career moving forward? I don't know, man. I don't know. Like, Has he, he rehabilitated it? Did this hit hurt him a little bit in that quest to show his reformedness or is it just that's part of the you know he's See, a player no. who lives on the edge yeah i i don't uh I, I don't look at that hit from another team and say oh my goodness you were you were so great and then you did something stupid and i don't want to take that chance on you doing because his history stupid of stupidity is not on the ice right if if uh yeah correct and if uh if that was the case then colorado would have given up on nazim kadri a, a long time ago right right <clears throat> So he yeah. he can play. He he brings so much to the table, guys, when it comes to team speed, offense, uh physicality, uh attitude. Like it's those players are hard to find. It's a gutsy call to bring them into your organization, but you can't argue for what it's done for Ken Holland. Absolutely not. I, you can't argue any of it, but it's a horrifying idea to give him a long-term contract. We've talked about this before. Like, you got to be—I I don't know. Like, even if you're sure, that might not be enough. I—I'd be very, very scared. But would probably do it. I don't know. I'm—I'm I'm caught in between here. What do you think, Morney? Do you think there's a chance that Kane has to take another one-year deal or two-year deal? I was just about to ask you guys. What do you deem? a long-term deal here. Three. I, 
three's too long for you. For, <laughs> well, for I do. Kane. It is. It's too long for me, and it could be that much for everyone. Like, you just run the risk of whether it's bad press or not having him because God knows what he does or, you know, he is a wild card off the ice right now. I just, I Would know. you rather give him two years at $7 million than three years at $5 million? Love that question. Five million is so cheap for him. Ah, it's gonna be awfully tempting to go three years at that point. It'd be yeah. I think I think I'd go if if he wants to play for five million. I think I'd give him three years. You? I. I just. I would have to know my salary cap so well that if this thing implodes, how do I get out of it? What are my buyout options? Uh, uh, what could I sell him for if I took? I would have to know that book awfully well to, to, to sign them. And then you're, you, then you got a plan A and a plan B. The worst thing you could possibly do is take the risk on a Vander Kane and all the things that come with it and then get poor performance because of just age. Like how old is Vander Kane now? I'm looking this up. Sammy. 30 is 30. You know, like, it's one thing to take the chance on this guy and get him p- to perform like he did for the Oilers. You know, I-, I also would be worried about that aging curve a little bit as a physical guy. I still think maybe I'd go 2-7 over the 3-5 in-, in-, in those scenarios. I just I just don't want him for-, for that long. I don't trust it. I would go back and forth just like this, waffling. That'd be my great decision-making prowess. I would not give him any. A two for seven is even too long term. Maybe one for eight. <laughs> like I feel like he's a, I feel like he's a year to year kind of guy now. One for Don't you? eight. One for eight. Yeah. That's a big number. I don't know. Is I don't think anyone's going to give him more than. He's going to score thirty-five times and fight people and hit people. Like he's no denying and, he's worth eight. And, and and you leave him hungry for the next contract. Right, that's yes. huge. And if he's no good, then you're free and clear. You know, like it's the one thing those those short-term deals do is they put players on their best behavior. And Kane's been been that guy. All season long uh, since he's joined Edmonton. Okay, you know, as promised. New Jersey. All right, go ahead. All right, as promised, uh, Ray Ferraro on the Real Kipper and Bourne show. We know him best from uh, his days at Sportsnet and a little bit of TSN, or is it the other <laughs> way around, Ray? How are you? <laughs> I'm good. Hey, Kipper, you're out of the gym, eh? I am out of the gym. We bumped into each other in New York, and uh, what a scene this New York gym was. Like, <laughs> got that guy's the pulling guy, in and they're they're Harley. The guy, oh, but the guy, my favorite was the guy doing squats in his jeans and dress shoes. <laughs> <laughs> and he was not playing around either. Like, I'm like, that's impressive. And then he probably just went on his day. A hundred percent and only in New York City. So, listen, like, what is, what's been this season been like with you? Because, uh, Certainly a, a, a huge commitment now going down to ESPN and um, and still doing a little bit in, in Canada. But uh, what, what's your season been like? Uh, it's been hard, Kip, uh, to be honest with you. Uh, it's funny, you know, I'm, I'm just sitting here having a coffee in Tampa outside. It's beautiful. And I'm with a, a guy that's just retired from scouting. 
and um, that I've known for years. So we're talking about the the pace of things as you get as you get older. And I'm like, the, the thing that I, you know, the the job is the best. It's the very best. I just love it. It's everything around the job that gets harder. You know, my kids are getting older. My my second set of kids, or you know, are twelve and fifteen. They're getting older. I'm I'm starting to really feel their age. Um, travel is, you know, travel. I don't know if anybody's flown. <laughs> Apparently, everybody's flying, but it's a mess. <laughs> like, man, you can't get from A to B without canceled flights and you know customs. And you know, like it's just. It's been it's a hard it's been a hard year harder than I thought, but it's not a complaint. It's just it's just the fact is, man. Like around the job, holy man, it's gotten Crazy. hard. The job's have awesome. You, have you seen Ryan Whitney's uh, tweets on Pearson International Airport uh, the other day? He flew, so he's yeah, coming he back lives from there Edmonton. Now. He's I think he's still in the customs line, and he started like six o'clock last night. It is horrific. Well, I. I flew in, and um, uh, this would have been about six weeks ago, and land at, at Pearson. We're in, we're in the plane for, I don't know, 45 minutes. We're just sitting there in front of the gate. Then they won't let us off the plane because they're like, there's a backup at Customs. And I'm like, well, how bad can it be? And then you come down the escalator, and you can barely get down the escalator. And I'm like, oh, Ugh. this is a mess. And we were in there, oh, I don't know, 90 minutes. It's a sweat box. People are jammed in all over. There's no signs. Nobody really knows where to go. And I'm like, it, it was like they gave us three knuckleheads the job and said, here, figure out customs. Like, it, I couldn't believe it. It was, I, I avoid Toronto as much as I can. Now, <laughs> I fly, I clear yeah. customs in Vancouver or some, you know, wherever else. I live in Vancouver, so it's easy. But I'm not flying into there. That's like a... It's crazy, man. Yeah, Ray, we uh, we just went down to Breeze Dad uh, to the Clark Gillies Celebration of Life. We just drove to Buffalo. We just didn't even bother. It's a yeah. it's a nightmare right now. Well, uh, awesome to have you with us. We're we're really excited you you could join us, and excited to get to ask you a, a couple of hockey questions, Ray. This is cool. Um, specifically, wanted to focus on that Tampa Rangers series you're working right now, and and the Jekyll and Hyde that is Nikita Kucherov. What have you made of him in this series? I thought the the first game wasn't particularly impressive. Last game he was so good. Well, what do you make of this guy as a playoff performer? Well, in, in the playoffs, I mean, the guy's been money two years in a row here, right? Like, just comes back, you know, the first year from the hip surgery, missed the whole year. Last year he missed a bunch of the year. And, heck, this year he's missed a bunch of the year, too. Um, the first game, I, I think everything John Cooper said before the first game that he was worried about came to pass. He was worried about Vasilevsky because he'd been off nine days and you, the goalies hate that break. And he says, unless you're a backup who's used to this stuff, it's really hard. And so Vasilevsky wasn't sharp. He says, I'm worried that we're not going to be sharp. You know, you can't, you don't want to lose your edge. Well, they were, they got blown out in game one. I mean, whatever the score was going to be, they weren't even close. And, you know, Kucherov, I think he, I think he had an assist in the first game and had a goal and an assist in the second game. And he wasn't particularly good in either of them. You know, like he just wasn't. Uh, Yesterday, first shift, chance. Second shift, almost gets free. Third shift makes a great play. I'm like, and I said on the broadcast on our side that he's dancing today. Like just, this is his day. 
And so I, I just found him to be just a dominant, dominant player. The, the play he made on the Palat goal, who thinks of that? Like 99% of the guys get that pass, and right away they're spinning to shoot it, and they hit the defenseman's shin pad four feet in front of them. We all, everybody would have done it, except he knows that Palat's coming on the backside, and he lays that little pass through there. It's just brilliant stuff. But I will say this. As great as he was, the guy that drove the game, changed the game, was Hedman. He, yeah. I just couldn't stop watching him just yesterday. Like, just amazing dominance uh, of, of, of the game. Like, he's, of course, he's six foot five. He, cover, you know, he covers the whole ice, but he's up in the rush. He's back. He's leading, leading the power play. He's, I don't know, whatever he played, 25, 26 minutes again was so good and whatever the heck Tampa was in New York, they weren't in game three. I I'm glad we've got a series like this is a series now, but the, I got to say, we talk about it a lot. The pace of these games, like honestly, I'm standing right on the ice. I can't even, I was just telling the scout, my buddy, I can't, I can't believe the speed that they make plays at now. It's, yeah. it's amazing. We're talking to Ray Ferraro, ESPN hockey analyst, Ray and Dreg's podcast. And once upon a time, a teammate of mine with the New York Rangers. I'm going to get in, into that a little later. But right now, uh, I want to focus on uh, your series, Ray, and uh, the crease crashing. And where is it headed? And uh, that term, accidentally on purpose, that's, uh, that's pretty good to describe guys like me, right? Oh, yeah. Like Corey Perry hitting the goalie in the face yesterday. That was not an accident. Like, come <laughs> no. on, come on. We've seen, <laughs> we've seen that movie so many times. Kip, you you would go in there and, you know, and not, not you and only you, but guys would go in there. Glenn Anderson, how many times did Glenn Anderson run into the goalie and he'd throw his arms up in the air and, you know, and like, you know, they put the net back on and everyone's like, oh, he's just driving the net. And so finally these rules in to protect the goalies, like, yeah, I, I thought I thought Riley Nash's penalty, like he 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 realizes late where he is, and he run, you know falls over top of um, of Shesterkin. You got to call it in today's in the game today. You have to call it. You just you just don't have a choice. So yesterday there's three of them, and and I'm like, geez, that's I can't even remember a game with two of them. And they as they turn out, they become really really important plays in the game. But I, I don't think you have a choice. I mean, the the way I look at it is the path of where the guy's headed is what you have to, what the officials have to look at. Not whether, if they get railroaded into the goalie, well, sometimes you just can't. You can't get off the tracks. But if the guy's, I think you can tell, can't you? Like most of the time when, when a guy's making that swoop in there and you're like, yeah, he's not slowing down. And, and that, that's the guy that has to be penalized. Yeah, and you know what? I loved it, though. I mean, I, I enjoyed that the Tampa Bay Lightning identified a problem, decided to fall on the problem a half dozen times. That seems like a pretty uh, clever way to Okay, Okay, but game. here's the thing, though. Once you <laughs> fall on the goalie and you're yeah. lying on top of him, it's always important to say sorry as you yes. press down on top of him to get up. <laughs> You have to use his neck as leverage to push yourself back. <laughs> well, that's a, it's just in essential. case he, just in case he swats you on the way, you're just like, hey, sorry about that. And you just kind of yeah. like a little chest push, and up you get. <laughs> well, the uh, 
you know, the, the matchup is, is really fascinating because they obviously both have superstar goaltending. They're superstars on both sides mm-hmm. up front. The one that had my attention going into the series was Hedman Fox, that matchup. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people talking like, all right, Fox is the smaller guy. Can he take the abuse the way that a big guy like Hedman can? He, Fox doesn't seem to take any abuse. I don't know this guy. He doesn't get hit a lot. What an unbelievably fun player to watch, Ray. Uh, I it it came to me somewhere. I've, I've done, I think, 15 of the 17 Ranger playoff games um, this season. And it came to me somewhere in there. Not the same, but really reminds me a lot. And Kipper, you let me know because you were around and played with, but Sergei Zuboff. And wow. so Zuboff, yeah. Zuboff would stand there with the puck, not move. <laughs> he would be holding it. And the four-checker would come at him. Like, I remember, you know, you'd go at him, and now you got your stick out, and he's still standing there. He's really not doing anything. He makes you impatient. You think you've got to change your stick to take away a passing lane, and then you just pass it through your feet. And Adam Fox, it's like a game. Adam Fox does the same thing. Like, the goal that he set up uh, game two, Capo Caco, I just, I love this play because... He gets this cross-ice pass, and he just stands there with the puck, right? He stands there, and then he waits for Hedman to turn, and then he passes it through a seam that wasn't there a second ago. Like most guys, again, just grab it, shoot it, hit the shin pads, and the play's over. And, and he, his patience with the puck is, is just remarkable. I, I think the Rangers, or um, Tampa's goal has to be to get the puck out of his hands as fast as they can. You know, I think that kills a lot of the Ranger transition. They've got to try and make a really patient player impatient. And, and that's it's hard to do because he just he doesn't rattle. Razor, yeah, Zuby's like a big time smoker, eh? And I always, I always used to tell him that, like, <laughs> what, what, I want to see you light one up during the game just to really, <laughs> really piss off the four checker. <laughs> just just strike one up behind the net. <laughs> well, did he ever look like did he ever look like he was ever trying? It was so frustrating. You you'd, you'd go and he'd get the puck and he'd just kind of like come around there and you know at whatever pace he wanted to go and then he'd zip one across the ice and you'd be like now I got to chase it again. Like he and he never got hit. He never. he never got hit. Like I know some people are saying, oh, Fox, because of the points, reminds him of Brian Leach. To me, it's not, it's not comparable. I mean, Leach was such a dynamic skater. Just, I, I think the most talented guy I ever played with. Like, I, I just, I thought he was, I'd watch him that short time yeah. I was there, and I was just astounded at what physically he could do. And I don't think, Adam, like, if you run into Adam Fox, you're like, not very big. You're not fast. He's not super strong and you're like yeah but he's he's the best super, or he's one of smart. the best super smart yeah, yeah without really a doubt a um over 50 shots uh on igor and the, the 40 plus shots per game the 25 chances uh, against uh, like is this going to wear this guy down um much more than say a few bumps here and there uh i i think it would if that's yesterday was Kip was really one of the first times I remember a lot of the shots. As I said, I've done 15 of these games where a lot of the shots came from the slot 
Like they, they, they were dangerous. A lot of times the Rangers will give up 40 and most of them is, you know, puts a blocker on it from 40 feet and just puts it in the corner. You know, a lot of them are, are, are hand, more easily handable shots uh, for him. Uh, yesterday was a hard day. And if that's the case, uh, game over game, it, I think it would wear them down. Now, they played at 3 o'clock. They got nothing today. You know, so they're done at 6 o'clock yesterday. You get, you know, they all got treatment yesterday. They rest all day today. They can get treatment today. And then they don't play again till 8 o'clock on uh, Tuesday. So he's 26. He's going to be fine. But that, that recipe, though, of, you know, you can't give up that kind of, that kind of chance volume and expect that the guy's going to stop them all the time. Ray, last one for me. Just want to get your thoughts on uh, Tampa Bay's offense and, and how much they miss Braden Point. You know, I look back at that Florida series, and they only scored, I think, 10 goals in those four games. They just defended really well. Watching them against the Rangers at times without point, they're playing 11 forwards. you got a number of guys that aren't giving you anything, whether it's Kalorn or the fourth line or Hagel's not scoring. It just can they score enough goals in the absence of Braden Point here to be the, to, you know, to take this thing deep again? Why well, I, I think they've had to adjust for sure. Like they've had to, like be, just for what you say, they're not the offensive team they would be with point in the lineup. Now, um, last 27 minutes of game two, mm-hmm. the uh, Tampa Tampa moved Stamkos to to center. They moved him off the wing, put him in the middle with Kucherov and Palat. Um, they put that line together of Sorelli, Colton, and Kalorn, who were really good. Um, and then they, I thought yesterday Hagel looked as good as he's been uh, since he's, since the start of the series, he was really banged up uh, coming into this series. So since that time, they, I think they've had 72 shots on net. So the last 27 minutes of game two wow. and the 60 minutes of, of, of game three. So they seem to have found something that really works. They, I like that they went to 12 forwards yesterday. I, I don't, I think given the, the way the roster is, Riley Nash can give you a serviceable amount of minutes, gives you another option. And when they get an offensive zone faceoff, they put Maroon out there with Belmar and Kucherov goes out. You know, so they can still sort of play 11 forwards, but they've got another option. And so I think that's the way they can do it. The defend, defend thing, though, to me, they can talk about how well they defended yesterday. I think they checked yesterday. And when I, when I think of the difference, defend means you're on your heels. Check means you're on your toes. And check, they were in the zone. They forechecked well. They pressured the Rangers. To me, that's the way they're going to score. That's the, way, that's the way they can win this series. Because they're going to miss points until, even when he gets back, who, who knows at what percentage of play he's going to be at. So Ray, before before we let you go, I, I gotta I gotta share this story with uh, us teammates with the New York Rangers, Uh-oh. and um, I gotta tell you, like you know, we've been around the game a long time. You to this day have one of the best lines I've ever heard, uh, especially uh, in a dressing room. So let me just paint this picture for everybody. Okay, we've got uh, we've got Coley Campbell and Dick Todd. They're they're they're, they're our coaches. And uh, Coley will come in with his pregame speech and, and give the X's and O's. And then Dick Todd, who we all know is one of the best uh, 
junior coaches and history of the game and a real smart guy in, in so many different ways. He kind of focused on what we had back then were five game segments. Okay. And see, Ray's already laughing. So, so, so what he would do, is, you know, he, he'd come in and, you know, give his pregame speech, but it always focused around these segments. So these were amazing segments for us. Remember, this is before the salary cap. So we got, you know, 500 to a thousand dollars for goals for goals against block shots a thousand bucks for a shutout and all these five game segments and it and that's all dick would focus in his pre-game speech so it would go down the lineup he'd tell us exactly how much money we could win and he would end his speech with boys now let's go out there with peckers in the air <laughs> and straight Faced. Ray looks at me. We're dressed. We're dressing beside each other. Ray looks at me and he goes, "You know, you spend your whole life working hard to get the to get to the best league in the world, and that's the help you get." <laughs> we had we had a math teacher <laughs> giving us a math lesson, and then that's your line. Peckers in the air, boys. Peckers in the air. What a league. What a league. What a league. Hey. What a a league. I will tell you, though, that envelope, if you hit the five-game segment marks and there was an envelope in your stall, it's a good day to go to practice. (laughs) (laughs) No escrow on that, bad boy. (laughs) No way, man. Hey, Ray, it's been a lot of fun, man. We really appreciate you coming on. And I, I take it your schedule is going to be lightened up next year. More more focus on south of the border, correct? Well, I'm trying. I'm trying. We're, yeah. um, uh, I do have to make some adjustments, mainly because, uh, and it, it's not even so much my schedule, it's Cammy's. And um, so Cammy's is, you know, people don't know, is the assistant general manager now, one yeah. of them in Vancouver. And it's a full-time gig. And, you know, we have a 12 and a 15 year old and um, I've, I've got to find a way to get some balance and work and all that stuff together. And um, that's, that's for the off season. And if these teams would, as soon as the teams finish up this year and we, you know, we get a chance to look at it, I've got the world juniors in August in Edmonton, um, which, you know, I just love the tournament, honestly. Like I thought that was going to be the toughest part of my assignment when I got, when I got it in, uh, at, at TSN, you know, and Gordon and I have done it for over a dozen years now. And I, I honestly, guys, I just love it. I can't imagine not ever doing it. I just, oh, I just watching, love watching the kids, right? The next ones. Oh, and they're just, and they're just, they're, it's, it's not even, I know we focus on the Canadian kids, but I love watching these kids I've never seen before and how much it means to them and how hard they play. Like, I'm just drawn in by it. I, I just, I just love it. Well, listen, we really appreciate your time. It's great reminiscing with you. You're always welcome on this show. Uh, enjoy the rest of the playoffs and uh, keep keep the gas uh, tank full, buddy. Okay? Really appreciate it. Uh, work on it. Thanks. Good to talk to you guys. And, uh, and Justin, um, you know, all the best to your family and stuff. Uh, your father-in-law was a great man. Well, thanks, Ray. It's great, great to chat with you, man. We appreciate you coming on. Thank you. Ray Ferraro. ESPN hockey analyst Ray and Dreg's podcast and uh, one of the good guys in our game. Wow, that was a lot of fun, guys. Truly, what a what a what a way to start the week. 
get enjoyed right, by Ray on a Monday. Right wow. through our break. Let's get to that <laughs> yeah, real quick go. here. <laughs> we got to go. <laughs> right after these messages, we'll be back. Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff Mary Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne, Sammy McKee. Boys, just a little bit of house cleaning uh, as far as the Toronto Maple Leafs are concerned. Once upon a time, uh, they were a little bit of a focus (laughs) on our show. (laughs) Oh, yeah. But, uh, you know, coming out... Yeah, no kidding. Coming out of the weekend, there really is a sense that I'm gathering that there has been, like, no contact or real, like, no significant talk at all with Jack Campbell and the Toronto Maple Leafs. Does that surprise you? Yes. Yes, it does. In a, in a significant way, because if they're not going to talk to him by now, they're probably not going to talk to him, which means they're going to let him test the UFA market, which means they don't think he can get what he thinks he can get on the open market, which would surprise me. See, I, I don't I, – JB, I love you, but I don't buy that for one second. There's okay. just – there's no way that this guy does what he does or the position that you put him in to – to, to to carry the team this year in net and you wait to free agency you don't make them one offer yeah so you think something one's coming they just don't I, know what they want to offer them like well maybe that's that 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 is a legitimate point uh maybe they just got to figure out their their cap situation first and how do you how do you make the room or where do you where do you move money out i mean but Shouldn't you have had enough time? You you want to you want to keep this thing going right through the end of the playoffs to to leave them hanging. Well, what I don't like about it is like he's an important signing that's going to cost likely in the four to five million dollars. It's going to start with one of those numbers, right? So, isn't he the priority? Don't you fill out the other pieces after you get the big pieces? Am I am I backwards in my thinking? Like, don't sign no. your RFAs and then. No, and I'm um, like again. Uh, you watch, you watch uh, Jason Spezza look, get looked after, right? I mean, uh, the, his situation looked after. They didn't hesitate it. They didn't leave him Giordano. hanging. He's now and Mark Giordano, the same thing. D- don't leave that guy hanging. Here it is. Let's tie it up. Let's move forward. And yet, uh, Jack's not getting the same love. Well, well, that's fascinating. And I wonder if that uh, has a negative effect. But I, it's it's a curiosity to me. We're almost like they're 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 playing a game here, where they're saying to him, "You're not this huge name, this huge signing. You're one of the guys we have to get signed." And you know, in term, is that helping them lower his value in what That's they're going to offer? That's a dangerous game to play. Well, particularly with what's available if you don't sign Jack. Yes. Who's Nothing. your goalie? Kemper. You don't have one. Well, and uh, don't think for one second teams aren't doing their evaluation as well. And where do other organizations sit? Uh, Jack's from the Michigan area. Where is Detroit? Where is Stevie Iserman on what he wants to do with a goalie moving forward? So uh, the longer you wait, the more you invite other teams to maybe uh, look at Jack as a a legitimate alternative. Hmm. Well, that would be uh, that would be interesting because I don't know where it leaves you. You don't have anything internal. It's not going to be Noel yeah. or Shalgren. 
I think it's a pretty big slap in the face if that's the case, that they haven't got in touch with him at all. Well, listen, I'm not... I, I don't want to put that out there, Sam. No. That they, there's, there's, I'm just talking about... But if that's uh, the case... Any, any significant uh, dialogue, Awful. any any real negotiation? Yeah, it's crazy. My understanding is that that has not uh, that 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 has not taken place. Wild. I'm trying to think of what I'd offer him right now. What do you guys got? All right, 18 over four years. Let's go. Our hour is up already, and we're just heating up. <laughs> Talk to our agent out there. Get us yeah. longer minutes. Hey, our thanks to Ray Ferraro, ESPN hockey analyst and uh, former teammate of mine. I mean, guys, have fun to have Ray on. What did we think? Game five? Oilers win tonight. Gentlemen's sweep. We'll, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for joining us.